168. Escape. Floating weightlessly, Rain gripped the lip of the inlet pipe with one hand as he manoeuvred the enormous turbine blade into position with skeletal fingers. His current avatar, Big Bone, had never gone past that point. The glossy adamant skeleton had simply looked too sick, especially with the burning blue flames he'd added for eyes. It was also perfect for work outside the bastion, thanks to its lack of sensitive, fleshy bits. The instinct to breathe was a lot easier to disregard when you could look down to see through your ribcage. Rain had taken advantage of the free space there, building himself a prototype subcore in place of a heart. He brought a hand in front of his sternum, and with a mental command, instructed the output port of the metal sphere to open. He guided the resulting trickle of essence through his ribs, gathering it into a ball. Closing the port again, he let the subcore return to purifying chaos as he used the fresh essence to weld the blade to the central hub. In truth, the subcore was just a framework for a mental trick. The construct served as an anchor, allowing him to offload the conversion process to his subconscious. The moment he left this avatar, the trick would stop working. It was a far cry from his actual core, shining at the bottom of the expanded inlet pipe, which had been cleared of the flow-restricting grate. The conversion rate just didn't compare. The subcore couldn't even outpace Dozer currently floating somewhere behind him. You okay out there, Dozer? Rain sent, spinning himself around to peer in the industrious slime's direction. Happy, happy, happy! Dozer sent, invisible through the smog. Rain's eyes flickered and danced in amusement, complimenting his skeletal grin as he looked down at the bastion. He had enlarged it significantly, and Dozer's habitat had been no exception. The slime had still seemed unsatisfied at being cooped up inside all the time, however. Rain didn't see how it made a difference. There really wasn't a lot to see out here. But Dozer had been ecstatic when he'd finally relented and brought him out this time. The inquisitive slime had jetted off to explore without hesitation. Shaking his head, Rain turned back to the inlet pipe, reaching for another fan blade from the bundle strapped to his back. As his core had continued to grow, so had its rate of purification, to the point that the old intake had been struggling to keep up. Hopefully, with this jet-engine-inspired upgrade, he'd really start making a dent. Rain smiled, waiting for his subcore to process enough essence for the next weld. In retrospect, he should have just brought some extra with him. He had a lot of free essence now, stored in enormous tanks after overflowing his core room. His crystalline core just kept pumping it out, whether he was here or not. Even now, with the intake off, it was still producing. From measuring the flow rates in a previous experiment, he'd come to realize that souls made extra essence in addition to what they purified. Spontaneous production was significantly slower than purification, but the rate was increasing no less quickly. The bigger his core got, the better things worked. The degree of time acceleration in here was another good example of that. 
It was nowhere near what he'd experienced in soul space, but a 1.12 times factor was nothing to sneeze at, especially considering that it had been only 1.08 times when he'd first noticed it. The acceleration only applied when he was actually inside his soul. But if the rate continued to grow along with his core, it would really start adding up to some extra time. That was good, as every minute spent in here was a minute not spent battling one of the thousands of other things on his to-do list. Ugh, and now I'm thinking about it. Hey, Dozer, you ever have so much to do that you just end up taking a nap? No sleep! Clean! Filth! Dozer sent encouragingly. Working on it, Dozer. Working on it. Rain shook his head slowly. He knew that he needed to spend more time in here, but he still felt guilty for stealing as much as this hour to work on his own problems. He was supposed to be out there captaining, not hiding in here building a fancy turbine. His scheduled meeting with the Council of Engineering had been cancelled, yes, but there were plenty of other things that could have filled the gap in his schedule. Rain's flaming eyes became pensive as he considered the incident that had prompted that cancellation. When he had returned to camp and heard what had happened, he'd gone immediately to Torhart's room to check on him. However, the smith had been distant and evasive. Recognizing that he needed some alone time, Rain had left, but not before extracting a promise for a later explanation. Torhart clearly wanted to talk about it, but he just wasn't ready and Rain knew well that the only way to deal with a brooding Torhart was to wait. Maybe Amelia will have better luck with him when she gets back. Sensing that his subcore had produced enough essence, Rain willed the outlet port open again. Guiding the glowing liquid through his ribs, he used it to weld the blade into place. He'd planned for 32 blades in total. Excessive, maybe, but anything worth doing was worth overdoing and he was already more than halfway done. Work, work. Rain paused in maneuvering the next blade into position, tilting his head. With his growing proficiency, he'd found that he could retain more and more awareness of his physical body without risking getting booted back into it. Releasing the blade to tumble gently, he focused. Carefully, he edged himself back toward wakefulness. Then his edging became a deliberate push as he recognized the sound that had disturbed him. His eyes sprung open seconds before Vanna tore open the door to his office, the alarm bell ringing from behind her in the company hall. Good, you're awake, she said, beckoning. What is it? Rain asked, rising from his chair and searching around for the threat with detection. What's going on? A grim expression on her face. Vanna reached into her pocket as he approached, then handed him a steel marble, painted black. Shit, Rain said, staring at the blackened ball in his hand. In a locker room in her office, Vanna had rigged up a system, improving upon their accolade messaging system. A wooden frame now held the plate. A plate ball balanced atop each one. If an accolade was summoned, the ball would drop through the frame to land on a large sheet of aluminum, making a recognizable sound. Anyone could determine the message from the color of the ball without having to know accolades were involved. Black meant extreme danger. Yes, shit, 
Vanna said in agreement. Rain didn't bother to ask Vanna if she'd checked her apparatus to make sure it wasn't a false alarm. She would have. He closed his hand around the ball tightly, then looked up. Right, here we go. Several hours later, Rain stood silently on the battlements above the gate to Ascension's compound, staring out at the crimson sky. The sun was steadily creeping below the darkening horizon. But the light of the crude street lamps was more than enough to see the gathered strength of Ascension arrayed below him. It was a slightly ragtag group given the variation in equipment, but Samson had arrayed them in an orderly formation, with a line of shield-bearers at the front followed closely by unawakened wielding spears and the like. Fighters with shorter weapons, optimistically swords but more often kitchen knives, and in one case a pair of table legs, were placed behind them, surrounding the outer camp which was full of livestock. All non-combatants had retreated to within the compound, including many who'd come in from Vestval when news of the alarm had reached the city. The battlements were positively choked with archers. If there was one thing they didn't have a shortage of, it was hunting bows and hunters to wield them. Rain would have preferred crossbows, but Ascension only had a handful of the weapons in their possession despite continuing negotiations with Lady Sal, or rather her intermediaries. The woman was paranoid to the extreme refusing to meet with him, or even to show her face outside her mansion. The consensus from the townsfolk was that she was losing her mind in her old age, which was enough of a horrifying thought without even considering that she was supposed to be stronger than the other nobles. A heavy sigh from Rain's left made his eye twitch. Speaking of other nobles, when Rain didn't look over, Argon Urs cleared his throat, then spoke. Exactly how long do you intend to stand out here? Until she returns, Ring said calmly, managing to keep his voice level. Nobody told you you had to stand with me. In fact, I'd prefer it if you didn't. Rain managed to prevent himself from speaking the thought aloud. The last thing he needed right now was more drama. He'd thought things had been getting better, but the last few hours had disabused him of that notion. In the heat of the crisis, Lord Hakim had been a constant irritant. And as for Lord Urs, just having him around was enough. Rain loathed the man and everything he represented. The old noble was a total skeeve, even with the business with Jameis set aside. That was plain to see. For example, his guards were all female, forced to wear form-fitting armour that offered uh, dubious protection. Lady Urs, Carilla, Jameis's ex, was a piece of work too, intolerable for different reasons. Rain had no idea what Jameis had ever seen in the woman. Unfortunately, Rain had thus far been unable to justify locking the Urs duo in a dark cell and throwing away the key. Lord and Lady Urs, for their part, had done nothing overtly criminal since Rain had arrived. If anything, their house was the least troublesome of the lot. 
Rain's eye twitched again as Lord Hakim laid a hand on Rain's opposite shoulder. It will be true dusk soon. Lord Captain, you must consider what we will do if Lady Amelia does not return before then. There is still time to send the commoners back to the city. I told you to never call me that, Rain said coldly, reaching up to remove the nobleman's hand. If night falls, so what? We have light, and until we know more about the threat, it is better to have everyone together as much as possible. Damn that woman. Rain gritted his teeth, attempting to put Lady Sal out of his mind. We will stand watch, as we always do. In that case... I would be honored to command the first watch so you can rest, Lord Hakim said. We will need your strength when the threat arrives. Leave it to me. I have defended Vestval for... No, Rain interrupted, his head throbbing. He keeps trying the shit. Once dusk falls, we will thin the fresh spawn. And only then... Will we begin a rotation if I deem it necessary? Not before. You may command your own house as you wish, but my people do not answer to you. And never will. You think you're clever, Ding Dong? But actually buying the answers to the asshole test? Come on. Way to fall for the trap. Happy studying, asshole. Take it whenever you're ready, and we'll see what it gets you. But... Lord Hakim began, but Rain cut him off. I said no. Lord Hakim mercifully closed his mouth, and Rain took a deep, calming breath, resisting the urge to rub at his temples. The headache had begun not long after the message had arrived, brought on by stress and worry. Silence returned, but for the occasional creak of leather and mutter of conversation from below, and absently. Rain began opening and closing his hand, as he'd been doing on and off since the preparations had been completed. Where is she? Come on, Amelia. Come on. He glanced over his shoulder. Tarny? Here? Tarny replied, stepping forward between Rain and Lord Urs. Go check if Amelia has sent another message, Rain commanded. What he was really asking was to check if any of the plates had come unbound. Tawny would understand. I, yes, Tawny said, retreating. Rain nodded. This wasn't the first time he'd asked. Rationally, he knew Vanna would have immediately sent word if the worst had happened, but he still needed to know for sure. You really care for her, don't you? Lord Urs asked, sounding pensive. That's it. Rain spoke in a soft, controlled tone as he turned to stare directly at Lord Urs. I am not your friend. Do not mistake my tolerance of your presence for anything but what it is. That tolerance has reached its end. Leave. What might have been a flicker of crazed anger across the Lord's face, but he hid it quickly. Silently, he nodded, then turned for the stairs. Rain was sure that Urs fully mirrored the hatred that Rain felt for him. But he wasn't dumb. You could work with someone you hated, if the situation called for it. Ha! Lord Hakim laughed. 
That's right. Earth, turn tail like... You too, Rain interrupted, looking back out at the sky. But, Lord Rain, I... Short-crossed, Rain shouted, looking past Lord Hakim to the nearest sentry. Please remove Lord Hakim from the wall. With pleasure, Joanna said, though no one referred to the stocky former caravan guard by her proper name. She walked over, then reached up to clap a hand on Lord Hakim's shoulder. This way, my lord. The stairs are just here. Unhand me, peasant, Lord Hakim shouted, grabbing her hand and shoving it roughly away. How dare you! I should burn you where you stand. Move! Joanna shouted back, her false courtesy vanishing as she called his obvious bluff. She got right in his face, pointing sharply to the side. Lord Hakim was clearly furious, a vein pulsing in his neck as he glared down at Joanna. After a long moment, he looked away. Thick as he was, Lord Hakim wasn't a complete moron, and was fully aware of what Rain would do to him if he tried to follow through on his threat. With one last indignant snort, he turned, then flounced toward the stairs, every inch of him managing to convey his outrage. Joanna chuckled, then spoke softly so only Rain could hear. He must have practiced that walk. Don't worry, Captain. I'll make sure he doesn't cause trouble. Thank you, Shortcrust, Rain said, nodding to her as she moved away. He sighed again, then released his readied grip on suppression as he returned his attention to the sky. You sure don't like nobles, do you, Captain? Called Haynes loudly, to Rain's mild surprise. Rain glanced over at him, taking in the sharpshooter's grin as the man continued, projecting his voice. Ass hats, am I right? A ripple of amusement spread through Ascension's original members. The Vestvalians shared confused looks. Rain sighed, looking away from Haynes to see many faces staring in his direction. Samson was standing in the crowd below, beside Molo. The free lord had been doing his best to keep everyone focused, despite the distraction. But he was only human, and gawkers were going to gawk. Rain picked out Lynn, standing near the front, an amused expression on the noblewoman's face. Both she and Attil still held ties to their respective families, not going quite so far as to renounce them completely. But they were no less outliers when it came to attitude. Rain shook his head slowly, then looked back at Haynes, making sure to speak loudly enough for everyone to hear. The exceptions prove the rule. Fucking A, called out Molo, clapping Samson on the back hard enough to make him stumble. Ain't that right, Sammy? Samson recovered quickly, speaking in a matter-of-fact tone as he straightened his armour. Fucking A. After a moment of disbelief, Another wave of laughter swept through the crowd, and Rain's mouth twitched. A tiny measure of his tension drained away, though his headache remained undiminished. Hearing Tarni approaching behind him, he looked over his shoulder. Anything? 
No, Tawny said, shaking his head. But you already knew that. Rain nodded, taking it in stride. No news was good news, but it was also no news. Fortunately, he didn't have to wait much longer. After a few minutes, a speck of green light appeared in the distance over the trees. There! Someone shouted, pointing, but by then the light had already crossed almost half the distance. So quickly was it approaching, it whizzed low overhead, overshooting the camp in a blur and causing no small amount of panic. Not for Ring, though. That's her! He roared, having recognized energy well for what it was. Jumping from the battlements, he landed in the animal pen with a heavy impact, then began making his way through the skittish livestock. Val, light me up! Onit, Val called from somewhere on the battlements. Soon after, white light fell over rain, as a lunar orb zipped from behind him to orbit around his head. In the distance, there was a crash as something metallic struck stone at high velocity. Samson, Rain called, vaulting out of the pen, then shouldering his way through the defenders. I'm going ahead. Merrick, Samson called out in response. Stent, go with the captain right now. Val, Lynn, Carton, you're with... Rain stopped listening, breaking free from the press and out onto free ground. Pointing himself in the direction of the impact, he broke into a flat-out sprint. Behind him, he heard the sound of hooves as he reached for velocity. He started the spell low, as he always did, finding the transition less jarring. The hooves gradually stopped getting nearer as his speed increased. Even after switching from a canter to a full gallop, Rain kept boosting the spell, but then a cry from behind him made him pause. Captain, the light! Muttering a curse, Rain slowed down so stint and dust could keep up. As worried as he was for Amelia, he knew she'd have easily survived that kind of impact. Leaving dust to gallop in the dark would be risking a broken leg at best, as would be extending the spell to include the animal. Velocity training for ascension was on Rain's list, but as with many things he hadn't gotten to it, this speed would have to do. Feeling that he must be nearing Amelia's landing site, Rain flared velocity and jumped before switching to detection. He got a signal, just at the edge of his range, slightly off to the left. Restoring velocity before he hit the ground, Rain managed to get himself stabilized and pointed in the correct direction. The last hundred meters passed in a flash, lunar orbs light revealing Amelia digging herself out of a hole in a rocky hillside. The hillside that Rain was unable to prevent himself from slamming into moments later. His speed being considerably less than Amelia's had been, he bounced off instead of creating his own crater his new force weave comfortably distributing the impact. Rain, Amelia gasped, moving quickly over to him. Are you okay? That's my line, Rain said, already back on his feet. Amelia looked like she'd been through hell. The better part of her cloak was gone, seemingly burned away, and her armor was caked with unidentified filth that had dried in wind-streaked patterns. Rain activated Purify scouring away the grime in an instant as he pushed to wrap her in a hug. Oof, Amelia said, stumbling as he crashed into her. Rain released her instantly in horror. Shit, did I? I'm fine, Amelia said, 
stopping him with a raised hand. You just surprised me. I'm tired and sore, but not from the landing. That wasn't deliberate. I just had a little trouble slowing down. Behind him, Rain heard the hooves slow to a stop, and dust snorted, the horse somehow managing to sound affronted. Listen, Amelia said, raising her visor. Her eyes flicked to stint before returning to Rain. We don't have time for hellos. We have to run. Felsadanis is gone. The Empire brought down the barrier. Rain's heart skipped a beat. What? Behind him, Stint cursed explosively. There's an army, Amelia said with a hard expression. They knew I was coming. I fought off their scouts, but I left tracks, Rain. We have to go. She shook her head. We have to get everyone, and we have to go. Now. I ran as fast as I could, but they could be here any second. Shit, Rain cursed, whirling to look to the west. Past Stint and Dust was a torch-bearing party jogging toward them. Val and Lynn were in the lead, followed closely by Merrick, then Carten clanking after them a ways behind. Rain clenched his jaw, thinking hard. His headache had somehow worsened, now a painful pressure in his skull. This is bad. Oh, this is bad, bad, bad. Deps Rain, Val panted as he came to a stop. Since when can you outrun a horse? Pfft. As if that's hard for someone like us, Lynn said, not even breathing heavily as she looked at Val. You're just out of shape, and you call yourself a duelist. She looked up, then jerked her head toward Amelia. I want to know what she was doing. Not even flight is that fast. Merrick, Rain said, ignoring the pair and pointing at Amelia. The former innkeeper had arrived, huffing and puffing. Without trying to speak, the man obediently followed Rain's instruction, holding his torch out of the way as he laid his other hand on Amelia's shoulder. Thank you, Amelia said, steadying the healer as he worked his magic. After a moment's delay, green rings appeared around everyone there, including Dust, who almost threw Stint in surprise. That's good enough, Amelia said, releasing Merrick's shoulder and moving past Rain. We need to go. Rain nodded, hurrying to match her brisk pace. Ahead, Cartain came to a stop, resting his shields on the ground. What's all this rushing about? he asked as they passed. Hey, Amelia, nice landing. The Empire is coming, Rain said in a clipped tone, debating whether now was a good time to get started with that velocity training. Rah! Cartent shouted behind them. Say that's a joke! It isn't, Amelia said without looking back. Rain did, though, seeing both Lynn and Val standing next to Cartent wearing shocked expressions. Stint had dismounted and was standing beside Merrick. The former innkeeper already seemed to have recovered under Energy Well's influence. He still looked like he wanted to fall over. Only Dust seemed unbothered by the news, busy trying to bite the green rings rising around him. Come on, Rain said, shaking his head and looking forward again. He decided there was no point in magically enhancing their speed, though cardio was definitely going on the company-wide training regime. If the Empire really was coming, an extra minute or two wasn't going to change things. 
His mind was already spinning, resurrecting the old, half-formed evacuation plan and working through scenario after scenario. The soonest we could leave would be... <sighs> Fuck. Well? Rain asked expectantly, looking at Tallheart as Amelia finished speaking. What do you think they'll do? Hmm, Tallheart rumbled, scratching at the base of one of his antlers. Rain fidgeted in his seat, waiting anxiously, and ignoring the irksome pressure behind his eyes with practiced ease. He was no stranger to headaches, after all. He, Amelia, Vanna, and Samson had found Tallheart in engineering along with Jameis and Melanie. Torhart had retreated there to work after surprisingly offering his room to house more city folk. The latter pair had been playing cards to pass the time, while Jameis hid from his ex, and Rain hadn't seen any reason to ask them to leave. They were both full members. And besides, Amelia's news was hardly going to be restricted to the council heads or anything, even through the thick ceiling. Rain could hear the dull roar of several hundred different conversations, all discussing the Empire. Finally, Tallheart lowered his hand from his antler, meeting Rain's gaze. I do not believe the situation is as dire as you fear. Rain exhaled slowly, melting back into his seat. Beside him, Amelia let her head drop heavily into her hands her hair falling limply over her brow. They'd both removed their helmets for this discussion. Would you care to elaborate? Samson asked, looking at Tallheart. I would, Tallheart replied placidly. Firstly, the Empire only maintains a ten-league perimeter around their forces. They do this because that is the approximate range of their diviners. They would not tolerate a force such as ascension within that perimeter. As we are outside of that distance, they will not immediately hunt us down and destroy us. Even after Amelia provoked them? Samson asked. Hey, Rain said sharply. It wasn't her fault. I never said it was. It's fine, Rain, Amelia said sitting up and raking her fingers through her dishevelled hair as she smoothed it back. I know I screwed up. You did not, Tallheart said. You are correct that the Empire was aware of your approach. They are quite difficult to take by surprise. If you had not reacted decisively, you would not have returned to us. You would have died. They would have sent knives to deal with you the moment they realized you were not a citizen. Amelia shook her head, closing her eyes and leaning tiredly back in her chair. Rain grimaced. Knives? Vanna asked. A kill team, Tuart clarified. Assassins. How do you know all this? Melanie piped up, looking at Tuart. You've fought them, haven't you? I have, Tallheart said, swiveling his neck to meet her gaze. Melanie quickly looked away, and Jameis wrapped an arm around her shoulder, leaning in to whisper into her ear. 
Would you care to elaborate? Samson asked, arching an eyebrow. I would not, Tallhart replied, his tone no less placid than the first time Samson had asked that question. We have more pressing matters to discuss than my, hmm, history. It is unlikely that the army will come this way, but they will send hounds. He paused, then rumbled as he elaborated. Elite trackers and scouts. If the Adamants did not already know that Vestval had survived the shift, they soon will. And what will they do about it? Samson asked. If I was their commander, I wouldn't concern myself with Vestval, given the lack of strategic value. That said, I wouldn't want an unknown force like Ascension anywhere near my army either. They'll see our camp and the fortifications Amelia built, then conclude that we have a powerful geomancer at the very least. Hmm, Tolhard said. At most, they will send a single battalion. Samson crossed his arms. I don't see how that makes things any less dire than we feared. How many soldiers are in a battalion? Vanna asked. Could we fight them off? Five hundred and twelve, Tohart answered, pivoting to look at her as she paled. And no, we could not. The strength of such a group rivals a high silver party at least. He shifted his attention back to Samson. They will not commit until they have verified that there is no citizen ambush waiting for them. Hounds are disposable, even knives. Hmm, knives are the real concern. My presence will serve as a deterrent. I will do my best to make myself seen. Hold on there, Tallheart, Rain said, sitting forward. How the depths would knowing you're here make them less likely to send killers after us? Tallheart snorted. Snow Lily taught them not to, he chuckled. They were slow learners. A moment of shocked silence followed this pronouncement, until Jameis spoke lightly. And this is why I don't ask Tallheart about his past. Tallheart rumbled. After a brief pause, Samson sighed. Well, we have a little time, it seems. I suppose we could try to kill the hounds when they come. Keep them guessing. We will not see them, Tohart said flatly. I know what you are thinking. The soldiers Amelia encountered were not hounds. That was a common patrol. Doubtless already in the area when the eyes sensed her approach. Vanna sighed, exasperated. Hounds, knives, eyes. This is all great, but we're getting off track. Leave or stay, that's the real question. I can't see a reason for the adamants to hold Felsidanus now that the teleporter has been destroyed. Now, I don't think we should do this, but we should at least consider hunkering down and waiting for the storm to pass. The army might go west to attack Southgard or something. 
We don't know that the teleporter has been destroyed, Samson said. Magistral artifacts are legendarily indestructible. Like the barrier? Vanna challenged. We know that they were able to bring it down, Samson counted. We don't know that they destroyed the artifact that generates it. If either the obelisk or the teleporter survived, the Empire would wish to hold the city without question. Point, Vanna said, rubbing her eyes. I'm out of my depths here. We all are, Samson said diplomatically. Your first question cut to the core. Stay or go? Staying would be foolish, Tohat said. This location is no longer safe. We can no longer rely on the watch to stand between us and the war. Agreed, said Samson. Rain tipped back in his chair. They had the right of it, and he saw no need to add his voice in. He closed his eyes, rubbing tiredly at the bridge of his nose. The pressure in his sinuses was really becoming unbearable. He was starting to think that this headache was from something other than just stress. As soon as they were done here, he was going straight into his soul. He was leagues below the level of mana usage that he'd determined to be safe. But the last thing he needed was another rupture. What about the crack, though? Vanna asked. We can't hide down there, Jameis pointed out. It would be too dangerous for the unawakened. I know that, Vanna said hotly. I didn't mean hide in it. We just decided we're leaving, didn't we? I mean, what are we going to do about it? Could we collapse it so the adamants don't get access to the depths? Ah, Jameis replied. My mistake. It is a good question. This war isn't our business. But I don't like the idea of handing the Empire an easy ticket to power. Collapsing it sounds wise. I doubt we could do it, though, Samson said. Not so thoroughly so they couldn't dig it back open. And not without delaying our departure. Corrin isn't up to the task. Even if Amelia switched back to Geomancer to help him, it would be an enormous undertaking. I'm not switching. Amelia said, finally rejoining the conversation. I need to keep my build how it is for now, especially if knives are coming. Hmm, Tohart rumbled in agreement. The nobles' ancestral lairs should be destroyed, though, Samson mused. Supposing they exist, that is, and that they're nearby. It isn't a guarantee, especially with families as small as these. We should try to convince them to let us... Rain sneezed explosively. The front legs of his chair slammed back into the floor as he hunched forward to cover his mouth. Everyone jumped. Sorry, Rain said, or rather attempted to say, but another enormous sneeze interrupted him. He covered his mouth again, catching a splatter of mucus as the pressure in his sinuses shifted. He sneezed again, spluttering as yet more phlegm filled his nose and mouth. Rain? Amelia asked, reaching over to steady him as his sneezes continued. He was growing alarmed, 
each sneeze seemed stronger and more irresistible than the last. Finally, with one last enormous heave, Rain managed to clear his airway, translucent ooze spraying everywhere and taking the headache along with it. Ugh, Melanie said in disgust. Confused and not just a little embarrassed, Rain lowered his hands from his face, trailing strings of ropey snot. His hands, forearms and knees were covered. He sniffed, then activated Purify, and befuddlement was quickly replaced by shock as the magic did nothing to clean up the mess. Instead, the phlegm was rapidly gathering itself together, oozing back into his outstretched hands, not stopping until it had formed a white, cloudy, grapefruit-sized glob. The glob quivered, and the cloudiness vanished in a flash, leaving it entirely clear. Rinking, Dozer sent, the telepathic link stuffed to bursting with the crystal slime's elation. Dozer? Rain demanded, lurching to his feet and knocking over his chair in the process. He cupped his hands and raised the tiny crystal slime to his face, staring in disbelief. Rain King Big, Dozer sent, jiggling from side to side as silence fell over the room. Could someone please explain to me what just happened? Samson asked lightly. Amelia moved silently next to Rain, peering over his shoulder. Dozer went berserk. Amelia Queen, hello! Dozer says hello, Rain said numbly, turning his thoughts toward the miniaturized slime. He pressed a wordless desire for an explanation through the link, receiving a confusing jumble of impressions. Dozer's fear for his king, the irresistible urge to help, sharp metal blades, and a tight squeeze. A tube leading to a warm rock, then pushing, followed by suction and a long tunnel leading to somewhere dark, cramped and wet. It took Rain a moment to translate all that, but when he did, it was clear enough what had happened. Not how, of course. Tallheart rumbled, breaking the spell. Humans, they always need to be the centre of attention.